0: You are listening to the One Church TO podcast. We are an imperfect community who are attempting to help people know God, love people, and make an impact in our city of Toronto, Canada. At the time of this podcast episode, we are currently experiencing the COVID-19 worldwide pandemic. So you'll start to notice in this same feed, we'll be providing some extra episodes alongside our weekend teaching to encourage you throughout the week. But we hope today's teaching is valuable for whatever season or situation that you find yourself in.
1: Whether you're online or uh, some of us are in this room together and behind those masks, I know who you are and I love you. (laughs) Good to be together. Listen, what I'm going to say next is going to sound a little bit like a riddle, all right? Today we finish the story, stories of Jesus series with a story that Jesus does not even finish. Now, can you imagine watching a movie and it's suspenseful and there are plot twists and turns, you have no idea how it's going to turn out and you get right to the end and then the credits start going up and you don't know how it's going to end. Jesus told a story just like that. It wasn't his usual way of telling stories. We're in a series about story time. Jesus told stories, and Pastor Jonathan started, remember, with that Jesus and the strong man. He's our strong man, and he takes care of every evil power. And then we we saw that the Good Samaritan story was really a story about racism, ethnic privilege, and the value of every human being. We saw how that story ended. And then there's the uh, story about Jairus and his daughter that Pastor Jonathan taught us about last weekend, Father's Day. And... Um, Then you can go to Luke 15. If if you've got your Jesus Project book, you can catch up with us there because you're going to see that there are really four stories told there, three main stories we know about, and then there's a sequel, and Jesus ends them. The first three stories, it ends with whatever's lost is searched for, and then it is found. But that's when it comes to that last story about the oldest son, you're left at the end of it saying, okay, so what happened to him? Is the oldest son even restored? And Jesus is actually using a literary structure of the time, a way of storytelling in the culture of his time. And uh, the go-to expert for life in first century Israel is Dr. Kenneth Bailey, now with the Lord. But he wrote this in his book. He says, we are dealing with a parabolic ballad type D, which forms three-lined stanzas. He says, the end is missing. There's no stanza one. The structure of the parabolic ballad makes it clear that something is left unfinished. Now, if I took, by way of illustration, a poem that's very dear to your heart, right? Roses are red. <laughs> Don't you just love that poem? If I say roses are red, violets are blue, and sunflowers are yellow, I'd be telling you the truth. But... I'd be changing it. Jesus does something even more drastic than that. If you're going to use the Roses are Red poem, it's more like Jesus said, Roses are red, violets are blue, the Father wants you home, but... And he just leaves it unfinished. Just stops right there. You mean Jesus is actually using a literary structure, storytelling of his time... But he leaves that story unfinished. Yeah, but I mean, that's not unusual. The 39 writers of the 66 books that we have in our Bible. Remember when we did the YOLO series, if you're part of our church family at that time? We saw that the book of Revelation is describing things so grand and amazing, so futuristic. You cannot articulate it in any regular human language, so you use the language of apocalyptic literature, which was a genre of literature at the time of Jesus. And uh, parables were too, poems. Way back in the Old Testament, remember Superwoman, Proverbs 31? She's a super businesswoman. She's a super mom. She's a super planner. (laughs) Like, she's Superwoman. To describe her, Proverbs 31, they use an acrostic poem. You can read it in English or whatever language you read the Bible in. Unless you're reading in Hebrew, the original language the Old Testament was written in, you miss this. They take every successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet, all 22 of them, you know, gemil, and then it goes right through to the last. It's sort of like saying A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and then coming W, X, Y. But it finishes it. But Jesus doesn't. He just, he leaves it. And this is important. Why am I making such a big deal of this? Because it's the point of Jesus' story. He doesn't finish it intentionally, he has a reason for not finishing it. We know the end of the other stories if we read through the Gospel of Luke. We can read in Luke 15 about the lost sheep. Do you know how the lost sheep, do you know how the sheep, uh, do you know why the sheep got lost? Due to busyness. (laughs) I think the sheep didn't say, all right, you guys, you 99, I'm out of here. I'm going independent, going out on my own. I think he just sort of said, I'm going to eat some of this grass, that grass, and that grass. I think he got lost one nibble at a time. You know, here a nibble, there a nibble, everywhere a nibble nibble. And he got lost. Got lost. So what's Jesus' point there? Some of us get lost due to busyness. I talk to people all the time. It's not that they got mad at God. They're not angry at God. They're just too busy for God. Maybe they were once someone who prayed or part of a faith community but then education and job and relationships and and they just they just sort of got lost one nibble at a time and found themselves far from where they used to be spiritually just out of busyness and you know what jesus says in this poem in this story he says that the shepherd goes looking for that sheep that got lost due to busyness and he brings him back home where he belongs and, and, and Jesus says there's, there's, when someone spiritually is lost and they come back home to Father God, he says, Father God and the angels in heaven rejoice over just one that finds their way back home. All right, so the sheep gets lost due to busyness. The coin gets lost, how? The coin doesn't even know it's lost. When a sheep gets lost, it at least can go, bah, right? What does a coin say? Nothing. A coin isn't even aware that it's lost. Listen, that woman in the story Jesus told, sweep, 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 sweep until she finds the coin that is lost. But that coin doesn't even know it's being searched for. That coin doesn't even know its value. And what is Jesus saying by telling us that? He's saying there's some people that get spiritually lost, and they are totally unaware of how valuable they are to God. (laughs) He, a God that would leave heaven in the person of, of his son to come looking for people that had become lost. He said, Jesus is saying in this story, there's some people that are just unaware. They don't know that there's a God who loves them. They don't know that they were made to do life with Jesus. They, they are lost during, due to unawareness. And maybe these uh, COVID days, there are some people that are realizing, you know, there, there's got to be more to life than just busyness. And, and and you're becoming aware that you've got a spiritual capacity and you're, a longing in your heart. Do you know that there's something more? Do you know, do you, know you can determine the value of a person by how much someone will, will be willing to sacrifice in order to save them? Now think about that. You're so valuable to Jesus, he dies on the cross for you. That's how valuable you are to him. Then there's a third story. And this is about... Uh, a younger son. He's lost due to selfishness. How selfish was he? (laughs) Get this. This is obnoxious. He doesn't even wait until his dad is dead and the will is read. He goes to his dad and says, I want my part of the inheritance now. Here's what you mean to me, dad. Show me the money. And to add insult to injury in the story Jesus tells, he, this guy takes that inheritance and he goes and wastes it on wild living. And of course, when he runs out of money, he runs out of fun, and then when he runs out of funds, he runs out of friends, and he finds himself, and you can picture the initial audience, it would have been mainly Jewish people, and they hear about this. Job that this kid, after he runs out of money, the only job the younger son can get is feeding pigs, non kosher animals. Oy vey. You know, you just see, oy vey. That's disgusting. But maybe some of them are saying, he's getting what he deserves. Getting what he deserves. We're, we're superior. We have our religion, but look at this selfish son, what he got himself into. But, the, but Jesus keeps on telling the story. He said, he came to his senses. Here he is with pigs, eating with pigs. One day it occurs to him, I'm with animals. I'm acting like an animal. I'm more than an animal. I was made for something more than this. No, 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 you just think about it. If, If there's no God, if there's no Jesus, then that means that all humans are, are just, you know, at the top of the food chain in the animal kingdom. We don't have this. But we've got this longing to connect with the God who made us. And, and, and then he comes to his senses and, and, and he says, I'm going to go home and tell dad that I'm sorry, that I messed up. And, and you know what? <laughs> the Bible says his father saw him when he was a long way off. Isn't that something? So his father was searching for him. Every day he kept, I wonder if today is the day my son is going to come home. Some kids were in a, a church group, and uh, the teacher was telling the story about the prodigal son, as it's called, and came to this point and she said, "What do you think?" The father said to his son, "When he came home after all of this wild living, and one little boy put up his hand and he said, "I think the dad said, "You're grounded." Not so. Here's what actually happened. said to the servants, quick, bring the the finest robe. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now is found. And so the party began. Can you imagine people in Jesus' audience right now that figured they had messed up so bad. They had lived lives doing stuff they were not proud of. But they were not going to be like these religious people that were in the crowd. They were never going to be as holy as them, at least like they appeared to be. They'd never qualify to be a follower of this perfect Jesus. Jesus direct messages them and says, you messed up really bad. Here's what you have waiting for you if you turn and come home. Father, God will be waiting there for you with his arms open, with full forgiveness for you and full restoration for you. He wants you home as his child. Don Francisco wrote that kind of concept in a song. He said, I don't care where you've been sleeping. I don't care who's made your bed. I already gave my life to set you free. There's no sin you could imagine that is stronger than my love, and it's all yours if you'll come home again to me. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He keeps going on, and he tells yet another story. It's the sequel to that story, The Prodigal Son. Sometimes it just gets skipped over, but this is where Jesus is headed. Now, years ago, when I taught about The Prodigal Son, I sort of rewrote... Uh, in the the cool language of the time. How many know cool has changed a little bit? (laughs) You know? Uh, And so I asked uh, some of our cool young pastors, O'Shea and Richard, if they would help me just put in some Scarborough slang. And so, so if you just close your eyes, if you want to, you could just pretend this is Pastor O'Shea or Pastor Richard reading, okay? So there's this man with two sons, the youngest, was a total sweeter man's for sure. He's mad and patient and comes at his pops like, Famo, link me the funds so I can get that drip and impress the shotties. So his pops links the funds his way. The ute bounced and went wildin'. He bought all the drip, and if his eyes was open, he was at the clubs with the shotties. Bad news is, he went a little too hard and got broke real quick. So. He gets desperate and begs a job on a farm. He's living with pigs, and it's bad. So bad that he's jelly for the slop the animals are eating. He gets to thinking about his pops back home, and he's like, Family, even at the cribble, men's got a little free tings here and there. It was never even close to being this bad. Emma dipped back to the crib and tell pops, my bad. So he makes the trip back, and he's still a minute away, but his Pops comes running, running, and daps him up, that Ute starts his speech like, Pops, my bad. But the dad isn't even listening. He calls for someone to bring fresh gears, and the kid's looking swaggy. Just in time for the house party, his dad throws him. This jam is lit. The food's bumping, and he even got the son some new drip like it was his Jordan year birthday. But... The older brother hears all the noise, and he's bent. He's like, Pops, I've been loyal, I work hard, and never got no jam like this. But Pop drops the mic. Check this, my son, your brother was a waste ute. But now, he's with the famo. And them things that's mine is yours, but your brother is blood, and now he's back. How many know, however we get lost, Jesus wants us back home. But there were some people in the crowd that day that were listening to Jesus, and they, they weren't lost through busyness. They didn't find themselves in that. Sort. They weren't lost through unawareness. They—they they weren't lost through selfishness. They were lost through holdoffishness. It's sort of like we've got our beliefs, we have our religious beliefs, we sort of know, Jesus, if you would just be like this and line up with what we, as if you tell God what to believe and what to do and what's true. Now, Jesus has been reaching out to these hold office people, some of them were Pharisees. They had their religion and, and they, they said they wanted God. But it was all about the outward practice of religion as a substitute for a relationship with God. And, and, and you read, if you're with us in the Jesus Project series, early on Jesus answers their question, reaches out to them. But then he begins to turn up the heat. And by the time you get to Luke chapter 11, you read those six woes. Did you ever read those woe to you Pharisees? Don't be hypocrites. You know, you, you think that it's wrong for someone to commit adultery, and, and it's obvious what they have done by way of wrong, but you have greed in your own hearts. It may be hidden away, but it's, it needs forgiveness just like adultery does. And, and you follow your religion, and you, you, you do everything. You pray, and you say the right prayers and all that, but your heart's not in it. And he said, you know, you're missing what's more important to God, loving people and doing justice, treating people with value, everyone, including the younger son in the store, treating everyone, valuing every human. Why did Jesus turn up the heat and get to a place where he he just made it so intense for them? And said, woe to you. Do you know why? Because he wanted those Pharisees to have the religious rug pulled out from underneath them. So they would land in the arms of a loving father God. You know. So watch watch how it works in this story. How many sheep were there? A hundred, right? One goes missing. And so the ratio changes here. You know, 99 to 1. Uh, in, in, how many coins were there? Ten. One gets lost, so the ratio is nine to one. Two sons? It's two to one. Older son, now it's down to Jesus and the individual. He's saying, you're, you're, you're holding me off. You're holding me off. And he's bringing it right down to one. Watch this. Watch this. Jesus uh, reaches out to these people and he tells them all these stories, and he just takes them right through, and he leaves it so there's only one box that's left to be checked. Just one that's left. And, and, and he basically says, and the sheep was lost. Did someone search for it? Yes. The coin was lost. Oh, that homemaker searched for it till she found it. The younger son was lost. The father was looking down the road. The, the older son? Yeah. We're going to see it in a moment. The father went looking for his older son. What about what happened? How does the story end? The sheep, it ends with a celebration. <laughs> the coin, the, the the lady says, come on in, neighbors. Let's have a party. I'm going to celebrate that the coin that was lost has now been found and restored. The younger son, oh, did they have a party when he was found? The older son? You see, that's the box that we, we, we don't know how this ends. Did he ever come home? Now, now. You need to understand the context. What was on the heart of Jesus when he told those four stories? You see, Jesus was coming into Jerusalem for the last time now. And he's about to go to the cross and give his life. And this will be one of the last opportunities that some of the people in his audience would have to hear about how much God loves them and is searching for them and wants them home. As a matter of fact, when Pastor Jonathan and I took a trip to Israel for this Jesus Project series, well, just, just listen to the context. It's right after what you're going to hear now that Jesus tells these stories. Today, tourists come here to see the amazing panorama of the modern city of Jerusalem. But go back 2,000 years. Um, Jesus, having stayed in Bethany, would often enter Jerusalem this way. You go down through the Mount of Olives, the Kidron Valley, and then up into Jerusalem. And uh, But he would pause. We know that because scripture tells us that there were times he would look over the city and he would begin to weep. And I know exactly uh, something of what Jesus was weeping about, the pain that was in his heart, because he would look at people who were going into a future without him, and he was wanting them to have forgiveness and eternal life. Uh, I was talking to Pastor Jonathan on the way over here about how years ago, uh, it seemed that my heart was more gripped and pained for family that did not know Jesus, for relatives and neighbors who did not know the forgiveness of Jesus. And, uh, And I want my heart to be captured again with uh, what Jesus sensed and experienced when he looked over a city and saw people that he loved, that he wanted to give his life for, that he wanted to share heaven with in their future. And Jesus looking over this very city said these words, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Oh, do you hear the pain in Jesus' heart? as he looks at people that are, he's right there, the Messiah, and they're insisting on doing life without him. They're spiritually lost for so many reasons. He says, you don't want to know what the Father feels about you? He longs for you to come home. Listen, we haven't seen yet why Jesus doesn't end the story, but we can know for certain now how Jesus wants the story to end. You see, in in, in the last story, Jesus illustrates how God feels about those that hold him off. Let's read it. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father, look, he comes out searching for him. He came out and begged. The father begged him. His father said to him, look, dear son. You have always stayed with me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost but now is found. Do you see it? It's the second time in the same day the father leaves searching for a lost son. This one's lost at home. And he, the father pleads with him. Can you imagine a picture more extreme than that, than the God of the universe begging entrance into the life of one of his creations? Can you imagine the sovereign God who doesn't need us, but he loves us, pleading entrance into our lives? You say, "Well, did any of the Pharisees respond? "Oh, I've got good news over time, whether it, this day was probably part of it, but over time." You know how we're in the Jesus Project, written by who? Luke? Luke wrote a sequel book. It's called the book of Acts. And when you read in Acts, you'll hear him say, a large number of priests became followers of Jesus. And you get to Acts 15, and he says, there were Pharisees that were following Jesus. So some of them stopped holding on to their own spiritual beliefs and began to hold on to the truth of Jesus, who died for their sins, rose from the dead, and they're hanging on to him, trusting his truth to get them to home to Father God forever. But what about the oldest son? What happens to him? You know, here's how one writer puts it. He says, the curtain drops on the drama in Jesus' story with the oldest son still outside. We don't know whether he ever came in. His father pleads with him, but we don't know. We know how God wants the story to end. It's like one of his main followers, the apostle Peter, wrote about it later. He said, God is not willing that anyone perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance. We know how Jesus wants the story to end. So why didn't Jesus, he's a storyteller, why didn't he end the story the way that he wants it to end? Why doesn't Jesus end the story? Why doesn't he finish it? Because we decide how the story ends. We decide how our story ends. It's like roses are red, violets are blue. God wants you home. He leaves the choice to you. You know, all this week I've been praying for people in Toronto and in my life, my family that are doing life without Jesus. Some of them have just become so busy. Maybe they knew something of God, but they lost their way spiritually. I've been praying for them. Others just, I know I have neighbors, they're just not, it doesn't click in. They're just not aware of how valuable they are to Jesus. They don't understand the good news that he gave his life so that they could be forgiven for the past and live forever in their future. They don't know. And some they've messed up and they just feel I just I could never qualify to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus. Or else they're just they're just hanging on to their own spiritual views. They're just, just hanging on to what they think about spiritual spirituality and the afterlife. And, and, and they're just they're just not understanding that it's not their views that are gonna get them forgiven. And into eternal life. How many understand there's only one way to receive forgiveness? And that's the one who died to bring forgiveness. The one who rose from the dead so that we can know that we have eternal life. I don't know who I'm talking to online or in this room in Toronto today. That just needs to say, Jesus, I'm coming home. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to trust my views. I'm, I'm not going to hold off any longer. I'm going to come home to you. And ask you to forgive me and I'm going to put my trust in you and what you have done. It just had to be a powerful moment. See, I love Jesus. And when you love Jesus and you know what he's done to forgive your past and give you eternal life in your future, you want that for other people. And that's what's in Jesus' heart. Do you want to know how Jesus feels about you? Let me tell you straight. He says this to you. If you were a sheep with no will of your own. I would just come and and take you and arbitrarily carry you back to get you where you belong. If you were a coin, I would stop at nothing. I would sweep, sweep everything in your life that has hidden your spiritual value and I would search for you until I found you and got you back into a place where you belong. If you were a younger son and you exercise your will to turn to me, you would find, however much you've messed up, you would find a welcome home from Father God with full forgiveness and full restoration. And if you're holding on off. You know what he does? He's doing it today. He pleads with you. I died for you too. Heaven is for you too. Don't try and find your own way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You can know that you have eternal life. You know, the last book of the Bible, one of the last quotes we have from Jesus, the Apostle John is entrusted with these words, and Jesus is talking to people who have been in church and out of church, and some of them have lost their way spiritually, and here's what Jesus says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Do you see it? (laughs) There he is again, the Savior of the world. The Son of God, come to earth, knocking on our heart's door, saying, have you lost your way spiritually? I want to come in. I want to do life. You don't have to do life without me on earth or in heaven in the future anymore. Come home to me. How many would say, Pastor Keith, if you'll pray with me today, I'm ready to open the door of my heart and say, Jesus, come in. I want to come home spiritually to you today. I want to invite you, as a number of people have done throughout our gatherings already this weekend, I invite you just to whisper a prayer wherever you are at, physically or spiritually. But you're just saying, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. I'm going to trust you to be my Savior. I'm just going to give you a prayer that you can whisper right where you are as you open your heart to Jesus. Jesus, thank you for leaving heaven for me. Thank you for considering me that valuable that you would give your life in my place. I should have died for my wrongs. You died so I could be cleansed from my wrongs. I receive your forgiveness today. Cleanse my wrongs away. Come into my life. And when I mess up in the future, keep cleansing me because I want to follow you all the days of my life. Right home to Father God when I die. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I trust if you prayed with me and you've come home, just let us know. Our host pastors will tell you in just a moment how you can just sort of just, let us just help you keep taking the next steps as you, you know, we said, follow Jesus. A journey starts with a step and you've either come home or you've made that first step. Let us help you. Now, let me pray for every follower of Jesus in this room and who's with us online. Help us, Jesus, to value people the way that you do and to be part of your search party to help reveal the value of people in our lives Help us to not stop praying for them and loving them and reaching out to them. Lord, these COVID days, post-COVID days, until you return, may every one of us be part of your search party, looking to expose the value of every human being, whatever background they're from, and to help everyone to come home to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I can hear you say amen at home. Love you, church.
0: We're glad you joined us for today's teaching. If you're listening in right now because your church isn't able to meet, we welcome you, and we ask that you keep supporting your church community with all the engagement and giving options that they have. If you need any assistance in this unprecedented season, please let us know by email at care at onechurch.to Or by texting the word care to 416-291-9575, or even just giving us a call at the same number. All other events and programming can be found at onechurch.to/connect.